Um, so, I guess before I get ahead of myself, let's um, let's pray. <clears throat> it kind of seems appropriate on a class on prayer that we ought to pray, don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> oh God, our Father, it is um, our great joy that we come together. In, uh, in your presence, Lord, we, we claim your presence, we gather in your name, and we ask that you would guide our hearts, that, um, that as we study uh, the prayer you've taught us, that you would embed it within our hearts, so we would, that we would know um, how, to, how to pray, and that your spirit would guide and lead us. And so we just ask for your presence, and, your, and that you would open our ears and our hearts to your word, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so anyway, we were talking, uh, last time we talked about um, how would things be different if God's will was the law of our land, and how would Newcastle be different, and then how would our own uh, life be different. And some of the things that we came up with in that discussion was there'd be like less crime, safer communities, more love and compassion, more prayer more churches and more people in those churches and we would see less unseemly influence on our children less divorce more forgiveness uh, less need for adoption more unity in the church and and in the end we say well we're going to see more good and less bad all right so that's how we would what we would expect to see so then we pondered then the last question of how would your life be different (coughs) excuse me if um, his kingdom had already come. And so we recognize that as believers, our walk with Christ might not be all that it could or should be. And so in looking at that notion, uh, we took a quick survey through Revelations 2 and 3 and looked at the, uh, the seven churches that Jesus addressed. Um, and though they were believers, like us, he found them falling short in various aspects of their, of their faith, right? And so we question and make sure that we are not in those places, right? And if we are, and then we need to make corrections. So all of these things then that we talked about can be an area of focus. So all those things we said it would be less of or more of can be a focus of our prayer. So all those things in the church in our communities, in our lives, all those shortcomings. We then read through a sample prayer of how we might add meat to the bones of the skeletal Lord's Prayer um, as we've gone through it thus far. So then we finished up last time um, with a look at the next line of the Lord's Prayer, which is, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so in order for God's will to be done, we all must surrender our own will um, and our own agendas and replace it with God's agenda. And pointed out the song lyrics to So Long Self, where we need to break up with ourselves because we're not good for us. All right? Um, And then this left us then with the question, what are we holding on to? And not surrendering to God. So resulting then in this notion that may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is a plea for us 
to offer our present condition to God in the present. And that this prayer line, though it is appropriate, the, the focus really isn't on a prayer for a future event, right? It isn't really a prayer for the return of our Lord Jesus, but rather a prayer for the present. So now as we turn our focus upon may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we're going to see this is a big topic. And we're nowhere near going to get through this today. I mean, it may even take us three times to get through just this one line, all right? Um, so some of the things that we kind of think about here, the topics are just, just like submission to his will and then to let his thoughts be our thoughts. This involves a very, it's a very difficult, it's a difficult task of giving up our own will in order to accept God's will. And this, of course, then begs the question, what do we know about the notion of God's will? That's the core of this line of the prayer. May your will be done. Well, what do we know about the notion of God's will? What does the Bible teach us? And so, as we approach this, I want to turn first to what might seem to be kind of a frightening thing um, uttered by our Lord that serves as a caution for us. And we'll look at Matthew 7. And as I say, this, this may seem frightening to us at first. Um, and this is, this, this is very, you know, the very tail end of, of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So he says in Matthew 7, in verses 21 through 23, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me you who break God's laws. Well, that's kind of an eye-opener. You know, if we were to be having a conversation and somebody walked up and said, oh, hey, um, the Lord put this prophecy on my heart and it came true, or uh, I was able, I was having a conversation with this guy and it was just an evil thing and I cast out this demon, and we'd look at him and almost think, wow, you must really be right with the Lord. What does Jesus tell us? Get away from me. I never knew you. Not everyone who enters or is allowed to enter calls out Lord, Lord, right? So before we get real too concerned about that, though, we're going to flip kind of real quick then to Matthew 21. It's a little bit farther back in Matthew's gospel and verses 28 through 32. So this, this, this thing here is kind of alarming. And it upsets a lot of Christians. So look at verses 28 to 32. And Jesus says, but what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, no, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, you go. 
And he said, yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two obeyed his father? They replied, the first. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I tell you the truth, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the right way to live, but you didn't believe him, while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to believe him and repent of your sins. So in this parable, Jesus is equating the sons with God the Father. God gives this command, and the one follower says, Sure, I'm on it, Dad. And then goes, sits on the couch, takes a break, watches the ball game. The thing goes, oh, crap, I can't do this. I told Dad I was going to do it. And then he gets up and goes, right? That's the first son. And so God the Father tells the second son, go do this. And the son says, yeah, Dad, I'm all over it. I'm going to go. And it doesn't. So who is the one who followed the Father's will? And they rightfully answer the first. The one who did what? The one who repented. And did the Father's will. So Jesus is teaching here that this that repentance of our sins atones then for our disobedience and for living outside of the will of God. So then we can't worry, or we don't need to worry, when Jesus said, Get away from me, right? He says, I never knew you. Because you said you were doing this, but you really weren't. And so repentance, then we find out, then repentance is within the will of God. He knows in our human condition that we cannot be without sin. And he gives this, this way out. His will is for us to repent. So in the parable, the older son, you know, he first refused, or he first sinned by refusing, but then repents and does his father's will. And both sons knew the will of our parabolic father, right? They only one, well, they both knew, but only one did the father's will. So without repentance, we are doomed on judgment day. So it's also important here to understand that only those who do God's will will enter the kingdom of God. An important thing to know. So then, as we look then at God's will, let's take a quick peek then at Matthew 12 and verse 50. And here we see a bit more emphasis placed upon the result and, and, and finding and doing God's will. So Matthew 12, 50 reads, Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Well, that's kind of a big thing. This is Jesus speaking. You do the will of my Father, and by God, you are my brother, my sister, my mother. By doing the will of God, we are in Christ's family. And that kind of seems like a big deal, right? And we talked about this when we, in the opening line of the prayer of our Father and how we're adopted into God's family. And here Jesus says, if you do my Father's will, you are my sibling. Jesus' sibling. 
or Jesus's mother. Think about that. You know, that's way more than brother, way more than sister, and way different than child. I, I find this very fascinating where Jesus throws in my sister, brother, and mother. That's how big of a deal it is, is, is doing the Father's will. So keep in mind then that may your will be done is a prayer for the present. Jesus says, those who my Father's will are my brother, sister, and mother. This is a prayer for the present. So we can discern then another aspect of God's will by looking at a very familiar verse in Matthew 26. We all know this one. We've all thought about this one. We've heard about it a number of times, right? So in Matthew 26, verse 39, it reads, He went on a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying. This is of Jesus. My Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Remember, we're talking about what's it mean, thy will be done on earth, or may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so here Jesus is saying, gosh, golly, I don't want this. I don't want this, Father. I don't want this cup of suffering. But if it's your will, then let it be done. God's will, God the Father's will, takes precedence over our will. We have to give up our will and seek God's will. Now this is something we all know, right? This is stuff we know. As Christians, we know this. But this is part of this prayer that Jesus is teaching us. And so as we, as we understand how do we pray, this becomes a really important thing in our prayer life. And it's easy for us to overlook it. In John chapter 6, um, we see this theme really expanded on um, by Jesus. And I know we're kind of going real quick through these things here. Um, so we get to John here in chapter 6. <coughs> Look at verses, looking at verses 37 and 40 to get a better understanding of God's will. All right? So this is Jesus speaking, right? However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those he has given me, but that I should raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise him up at the last day. So a few things about this passage, right? We see that God delivers us to Jesus, right? And we know Jesus says, um, you know, no, no one comes to me except by the Father. So we know that verse, and here Jesus is telling us exactly that same thing. God sends them to me. God's will is for you to go to Jesus. And we see, too, that Jesus says, I came down from heaven. 
keep in mind this, this, this verse that we're talking about is line of the prayer is that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So heaven's the standard. What's, we want what goes on in heaven to go on on earth. All right, so Jesus says, I came down from heaven to do God's will, to accept those who God has sent to me. And it's further than the will of God that Jesus will not lose any that God has sent to him. That Jesus will raise us up to glory. That's God's will. And finally, it's the Father's will that all who believe in Jesus will have eternal life. Okay, so... This is very good news. This is, what, this is, what, this is our faith. This is, this is why we believe this is the good news of the gospel. That we should have eternal life. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If while on earth we come to accept Jesus, and that's the only place we can do it, once we're dead, it's too late. When we're on earth, if we accept Jesus, God's will is for us to be with him in heaven. And we have the assurance, and again, through God's will, that Jesus will not lose any of us. He's going to hang on tight. But we're going to learn we have to hang on tight, too. So we've just talked a little bit about then this notion of... Um, of God's will, but how do we find it? Um, you know, perhaps the most dis difficult aspect of the Lord's Prayer might be, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we want, we want to be free of the burdens of living in this fallen world. There's conflict, um, there's disappointment, there's sickness, there's death. Uh, there's heartache and there's boredom, seemingly endless responsibilities, frustrations. We want it all to be gone. We want, I'm just tired. I just want to rest. I want to rest from all of this stuff. I don't want to have to make decisions. I don't want to have to make dinner. I don't want to have to do laundry. I just I don't want to hear the kids screaming and crying. I don't want to have to mess through the problems. I just want rest. And why does everything have to be so hard? And then, you know, there's all the choices we have to make, right? We've got to buy a car. What kind of car? You know, uh, van, car, SUV. And then where are we going to live? Um, how to mentor and discipline our children? And on and on and on it goes. It is just hard. So we think, I want the life here to be like life in heaven. That's what we want. But God's presence is where? Everywhere. It's everywhere. His glory is ubiquitous. We don't want to have to mow the lawn or do the dishes. But that's really not what this is about. That's not what this is about at all. And at its core, this is really about living in the world, 
but not of it. We know that term. That's what this is about. Living in the world, but not of it. It's about living on earth as if we were living in heaven. It's living with love and joy in our hearts. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven is about living a life that glorifies God. And what happens in heaven? God is continually glorified. There's the 24 elders, and they're praising God, and they get naked down, and they, you know, they do their thing, right? They bow, and it, it goes on and on and on. And glory and glory to the Lord. You know, you read all of this worship that's going on in heaven. And there's joy, right? There's no more tears. God is continually, constantly glorified by all the creatures there, right? And there's some really, you read, you know, you read some of these things in, in Revelation, and think, man, that sounds horrible, but it must be beautiful, right? So all these creatures, there's all these spiritual creatures, right? There's angels, there's cherubim, there's seraphim, there's these wings and all kinds of stuff. There's, you know, things with six wings and 17 heads and you know, all this kind of crazy stuff. But they're all doing one thing. They're all glorifying God. The risen saints are there, glorifying God, singing praises to God. That's what's going on in heaven. What's our line of prayer? May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in order to figure out what this is all about, we've got to figure out what's going on in heaven that needs to be done down here. So it's glory to God, glorifying God, worshiping God, singing praise. So how do we find God's will? So to get us on this track, I want to look at another passage then uh, from the Gospel of John. And we're going to turn to chapter 15 and verses 1 through 17. So verses, I'm sorry, John 15, verses 1 through 17. This is also probably a familiar passage to you, okay? So John 15, um, starting at verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. This is Jesus' words. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory 
to my Father. What goes on in heaven? Bringing glory to God. I have loved you even as the Father has loved you. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will be overflowing. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. And if I do what I command, or if you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. No, now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So that the Father will, <clears throat> will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Okay. Jesus provides the central instruction when he says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. So some translations use the term abide. Abide in me, and I'll abide in you. So look at this as like an enduring or even dwelling, living in you know, each other. That, that kind of a relationship, remaining, uh, lasting, or even bearing to carry kind of thing. This is really a big deal, right? Remain in me, I'll remain in you. This is only through the strength of Christ that we're able to withstand um, <laughs> the slings and arrows, to borrow from Hamlet, um, yeah, the rest of that slings and arrows about outrageous fortune, right? So when bad things are bad, how do we endure those things? And so we are able to endure them through the strength of Christ. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. And then when you do, when you ask for something, whatever you ask for, God will give it. So, like as Pastor Kevin is, is preaches on today, so as we abide in Jesus, he abides in us by providing instruction and discipline. We get disciplined. And he tells us in this passage we just read, so the Father trims back so that the vine will produce fruit, more fruit. If we're in tune with Jesus, we're able to ask for anything we want. You know, give it to us. Well, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> it sounds really good. And so, but let's keep in mind something here. Before our eyes get all big, right? Um, we're coming at this from a perspective of oneness with Jesus. Right? So, this, we can read this thing, ask for anything you want, and I'll give it to you as like, man, being a Christian is gold. You know what we would call the prosperity gospel. The only thing i got to do is just ask for it, and God's going to give it to me. But when we are one with Jesus, the things we ask for are the things that are within the will of God. So if we were to ask for fame uh, or riches 
or for someone we don't like to get diarrhea for a month, we most likely aren't going to get those prayers answered. But if we were to connect and in concert with our Lord, we wouldn't ask for Mary at work to get diarrhea, would we? We would ask, how do I love Mary better? How do I show Mary your love? Even though in deep inside you wanted to have diarrhea for a month. That's not what's in God's will. God's will is love and joy and worship. So our prayer then wouldn't be, oh Lord, make sure I don't have to work with Mary today. She just irritates me. Our prayer would be, Lord, show me how to love her. Show me how to work well with her. Show me your glory that I can show to her so that she will see your glory through me. When we're in tune with our Lord and obeying him, we're demonstrating our love for him, doing on earth that which is done in heaven. All we need is love, right? According to the Beatles, all we need is love. All we need is love. But it's not so much about being loved as it is showing love, giving love, loving others, God's love to even Mary, which you don't like. Showing God's love. Because Jesus ate with sinners and still loved them. Even on the cross. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. Now, who would be in a position to be more bitter than the guy who was perfect but is now being crucified, and yet he says, forgive them, Father. We'd have a hard time choking that out of our mouths, wouldn't we? It'd be a whole lot easier to go, I hope to have diarrhea for a year, <laughs> than to say, forgive them. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we cannot... Um, well, I should say, so the core then of this, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, is, is to love God and to love people. That's at the core of all of this. And we cannot bring heaven to earth, everlasting fruit, right, if we're severed from the vine. So if we're not in Jesus, if we are not producing fruit, And God has removed us from the vine. We can't bring heaven to earth. So we can't be fruitful unless we remain in Jesus. And we go, well, how do we remain in Jesus? And this too, Pastor Kevin talked about today, or will if you haven't heard it yet. How do we do this? How do we remain in Jesus? We study scriptures. 
we come to Sunday school classes. We join a life group where we're together with other believers that, that will help us, right? We know, uh, we talk often about, as iron sharpens iron, so that one, iron sharpens iron, let one man sharpen another. That's how we remain in Jesus. When we remain in Jesus, we remain in God the Father's will because that's our thinking is directed that way. And through, and I love the process of sanctification. Through the sanctification process, the Lord shows us every little bit every day how to love better. We never really master it, but we get a little bit better at it. We get a little bit better at it. <coughs> but this is something we pray about. Show me how to love Mary. I don't like it when my kid does X. Show me how to discipline them in a way that is honoring to you. bring heaven on earth and Jesus we talked about earlier in an earlier session that remember in Jesus high priestly prayer he prays that the future believers us that we would be one with Jesus and one with God the Father that was his prayer for us he's asking to be that we would be on the vine That we'd be a branch of the vine, producing fruit, bringing a little bit of heaven to earth. So, if we're still a little confused about how this applies, let's let's turn to the book of James. And Jesus, um, I'm sorry, James, rather. James gives us kind of this little punch to the gut in this, in this uh, passage. And so we try to discern what heaven on earth looks like. And what, it is, what does it mean to remain in Jesus? And James kind of gives us a little bit of insight. So let's look at James 1, and we're going to read verses 16 through 25. This will be familiar also to many of us. So James 1, starting at verse 16. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father. Down from heaven, heaven on earth. Okay, so what is good, for, good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Remember, Lord, Lord, he says, I don't even know you. 
You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. Who, if you listen to the word and don't obey it, is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. <clears throat> this is the, the practicality of may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we notice in verse 17, right, where he says, James says, whatever is good and perfect comes where? <laughs> comes down from heaven. What do we want? Your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the good things come from heaven. So we want those good things down here. All the good things in your life. The enjoyment of ice cream. A good cup of coffee. Embrace of a child. Greeting of a loved one. The things that you like. The things that make you smile. Good and perfect gifts. The most perfect and, mo and the best gift is our salvation. But God sends us many gifts from heaven. All these things are from heaven. A smile. A hug. Things that make you happy. Songs that speak to your spirit. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Some of this stuff is hard. It is hard. Um, we have a hard time being quick to listen <coughs> and slow to speak. Some of us really struggle with that slow to get angry thing. This is hard. Some of us have a hard time getting rid of the filth and the evil that's in us. You know, Pastor Kevin would probably add stinking thinking to this. Get rid of that stinking thinking. All these things can and should be petitions to God in our prayer when we think about thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we're quick to get angry, if we're too judgmental, to recognize that and to pray for that. That's God's will. To do the things he commands us to do. And so James makes it clear that to remain in Jesus we must be doers of the word, not just listeners to it, right? God's will is in his word. And so we have this frightening comment by Jesus where he's, you know, he said at the end, people will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, I did these things in your name. Well, did you? 
Were they God's will? Get away from me. I never knew you. We would call this, this is what James has opened our eyes to, we would call this like practical Christianity. A little bit of heaven here on earth, doing what God asks us to do, living the way God wants us to, putting God's word into action and having the strength and boldness to overcome our human condition because we really want Mary to have diarrhea. And that's our human condition. And that's what we have to overcome. We have to let our will be done. And let God's will be done through us. To do that, we need to seek divine guidance. We seek divine guidance by being in prayer, by reading scripture, being in fellowship with other believers. And so this all fits in this realm of God's will being done on earth and something we've been praying about. Remember, this is a prayer for the present. We're being prayed or told to pray for God's will to be done on earth today by us. We as believers have a big role to play in this aspect of the Lord's Prayer. This is kind of our job. This isn't so much, come Lord Jesus, come. It's show me, Lord, how to bring your will to earth. This idea of remaining in Jesus is really key to understanding, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that might seem a bit foreign to us, right? Because I think most of us have grown up kind of learning that this really is about come, Lord Jesus, come. It's take me away, or the old court, Calgon, take me away, right? We want, come, Lord Jesus, come. I am tired. I just want rest. I don't want to have to make decisions. I don't want to have to face death. I don't want to have to face sickness. I don't want to have to take care of Aunt Joe's house. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And so it's kind of an escape thing. We want, Lord, take me from this. We just as well pray, Lord, strike me with lightning, if that's what you want to happen. But that's not God's will. Sometimes... God's will is a cup of suffering. And somehow, through that cup of suffering that he gives us, he will be glorified. And we don't know how that's going to happen most of the time. But we know that it will. Because all things work together for our good to glorify God. So with that cup of suffering, and Jesus said, you give me this cup of suffering, I don't want it. But if it's your will, then I'll drink it. And so we have that same force within us. We get these cups of suffering that we don't like. But for somehow God's going to get glorified. 
And so how, Lord, can I bring glory to you? How can I bring heaven, what goes on in heaven, glorifying God? How can I bring that glory to earth even though I am suffering? That's what we're talking about. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right, so we're going to pause here. and kind of, um, <coughs> um, We're going to stop, I think, let this kind of soak in. But what questions or thoughts, comments do you have about this? Is it different than what you might have thought it should be? Lord's blessed us. I do think this is a, a this is something we really haven't talked about in this regard. I mean, I'd say we as in the church, universal. Um, you know, we don't really talk about the Lord's Prayer very much anyway. And you know, some congregations recite the Lord's Prayer regularly. Others don't. We don't here. <clears throat> and so trying to understand what it means for God's will to be done on earth um, really is impactful to each of us in our walk. It's very fundamentally who we are and what we should be in the eyes of our Lord. It's really important to understand what all this means. So, like I said, there's still much more to cover. We're going to spend a fair much more time. This is kind of a good, in, in my outline of how things are going to unfold, this is a good place for us to stop. I didn't really have quite enough time to, to get into the next thing I want to approach. So we'll, we'll get done early today. Um, but yeah, there's still much more to come on this, on this topic this index so all right so any, again any questions one thought went through my mind I put a true quote I never could track it down the person who said the things but it doesn't the things I don't understand in the Bible that's not what bothers me it's the things I do understand <laughs> yeah <laughs> that simple things of oh yeah. love your neighbor as yourself and yeah just, yeah that's pretty simple to understand right right it isn't so much less, there are some things that are hard to understand there are concepts that I just don't get right. A lot of them we get and we go, I don't know how to do this. I'm not sure what this looks like. Um, so that's why I, I turn to this James and this practicality of what it, what it means. You know. Yeah. Danny, you got to? Um, I, I agree with him, but I, I go to the life group with Matt, Matt Miller every other Friday. Mm -hmm. Friday night they were talking about the cross. And what does that mean? According to the Bible, according to Jesus, and what does it mean to us? <clears throat> so as as we're having that discussion and digging deeper into and really mm -hmm. plowing through mm -hmm. and bring up other questions or mm -hmm. discussion, mm -hmm. it's it's like what what does really carrying the cross mean to me? And to me, it's the same as what what does prayer mean mean to me? Because there's different styles of prayer, there's different ways of praying, but sure. what on a, a practical level, like, like you're saying, what, 
what does different things mean and what, what does it really mean and, right. and are we actually applying it in our daily lives and it's like carrying a cross if <clears throat> it's on one side it's scared but on the other side it's a jo- joyful because the Lord has given us all this responsibility but <coughs> at the same time if we're under the burden of Jesus and found with, with Jesus there's <clears throat> you know there's a lot more to it than just praying or just carrying a cross because there's a whole lot more to it than just on, on the surface. Yeah, show your heart. And your point about you know carrying our cross, everybody's cross is different. We each have a different cross to bear. We don't have the same one. Um, and, and also, along those same lines, there are things that might be a sin to me that are not a sin to you. Right? So if the Holy Spirit's speaking to me and he warns me about something, and I, and I know that I have this warning in my head, and I go about and do it anyway, I have sinned against the Holy Spirit. But it may not be any big deal for you to do what I had just done. But the Spirit had told me, don't do that. One example that we use, um, you know, in, in, in the culture today, and um, corporations doing what we would call evil things, right? And so they're supporting evil things. And so Lord may put it upon your heart, hey, don't go shop at X because of what they do with your money. Now, he didn't tell me not to go shop at X, but he told you, don't go shop at X place. So you, what do you do? You don't go shop at X place. And that's, you know, being responsive to the Spirit. You know, your point carrying your cross. Which cross are you to bear? And so with all these things, we, we ask for clarification and guidance in our prayer. Yeah. Anything else? I always have a hard time understanding His will. But then as you think back how events happened, it kind of brings it into focus. Yeah. But my husband passed away five years ago, and it's like, why did you take him away so soon? And in the meantime, I got a job at Hopedale in the pharmacy. And there you can pray with people in, in front. Yeah. And I have prayed with more yeah. widows. Yeah. So yeah. maybe it's... Right. Know, so there's his glory. Right, and in all of the suffering, there will be some way that he'll be glorified. Sure. I still want to find a place where I can go Right. Right. But yeah, and that's really kind of one of the directions we're going to go next time, which is a little bit more of a complex um, discussion. So I didn't want to cut it short. But yeah, that in, in discerning, trying to discern God's will.